Let's get started. So, welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast. This is episode 30, Abby Martin Climate Alert. Abby Martin discussed climate awareness on Breakthrough News. She mentioned the military-industrial complex involvement with the current climate crises. Can we make it better? What are your thoughts? So I see Ashura is already on the line. So I'm going to go ahead and make you the next caller. Just got to hit unmute. I think you have to unmute yourself there. Guess I can invite you to speak if you're having. Okay. Okay, cool. <clears throat> Hi. Well, this time not, I'm not I'm not asleep this time. <laughs> uh, I didn't expect to come in tonight or even listen to your show tonight, but it was that Eric thumbnail that got me to listen because you know Eric looked like he went to the barber shop and he looked like he lost some weight. Then <laughs> I went inside. Oh. <laughs> all right. So, Ashura, what's your take on all of this? Uh, I mean, if they really want to, if they really want to, uh, basically tackle the military thing, the climate change, they really have to go after the military. I don't know if, uh, if cutting their budget's going to work. Uh, I mean, it would need a, a giant commitment because the left doesn't know what they want. They'll basically go after things like, uh, uh, abortion or LGBT things, but the comes to the other stuff. I don't think they're they're motivated. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem I've noticed too. This is why I wasn't happy with that climate bill that they're uh, raving about because that's not enough. It's just it's another bill that's full of crumbs. Like if you really want to make a change in reference to the climate crisis, like you, number one, you have to start with the military industrial complex. That's going to be the most significant change. Number two, I didn't see anything about public transportation. And I've brought this up multiple times, but everybody keeps talking about electric vehicles. That's nice, but not everybody can afford an electric vehicle. And even that's not going to be enough. Like we should already have high speed rail in this country. It's 2022. Europe has us beat on this. We really have to find another way to deal with the carbon emissions. And the answer shouldn't be everybody go out and buy an electric vehicle. We know that the majority of people right now, especially if you're working class or you're poor, most people can't afford to buy those cars especially like a Tesla. I know I've looked up the prices for them. So that shouldn't be the response. And I think that, you know, Abby Martin being in RIMPAC, I think she really hit the nail on the head there. And I know some people disagree with Abby Martin on some of her other uh, choices here. But when it comes to this particular issue with the military industrial complex and climate, she's spot on. You have to make the changes there. And I don't see this is what really upsets me about the progressives that are in Congress, because a lot of them back climate like legislation. But even they won't even mention that the military industrial complex is where you need to start. So Uh, it's just isn't it it funny that basically uh, I noticed that people care more about animals than they do people. 
Like, for example, uh, when, you know when Fauci was experimenting on dogs, right? And they basically got a petition. <laughs> they managed to get they get rid of funding for Fauci stop experimenting on dogs. I'm like, what's it going to take for people to stop doing these experiments with sonars uh, on basically marine life? Because I know some people they they, they love their they, they love their their, their, their seafoods. They love uh, seeing dolphins and shit. So if they die off, what are you going to do? You're going to clone dolphins now? Exactly. Like that's the that's the thing too, and not even that. But I don't know how many of you have been paying attention to the bee problem that we have. Like we have a bee shortage. And bees, yes, I know they can be annoying to us, but bees are essential. Like you really need to have them. They pollinate. And so bees are dying off. I'm seeing fewer and fewer of them every year. Aren't the bee, the bee problem is basically territorial. They're getting killed by other bees, like wasps, jackets, or some shit like that. Some of it's chemical too. Yeah, some of it's chemical too. Um, I mean, I think people just don't understand how much is needed. Like, even when you look at animals, when we talk about sea creatures like whales, whales are important. Like, you you need these these things to live. And, like, when I was growing up, I felt like there was more emphasis on protecting endangered species. I don't even hear about it now. It's just... You know, the ice, you have like the polar, like the ice caps are melting. I've seen so many different like climate uh, videos from people who are um, environmentalists talking about like how the ice caps are melting. People aren't paying attention to this. And yet every year people are saying like, wow, it's getting hotter and hotter. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Uh, you remember that meme that went around about the military basically putting uh, um saying they were uh, inclusive with LGBT. Like, is it going to take, like, for some person within the military, like a a woman or an LGBT person to basically muck up the ocean for them to basically see that something's wrong? It might. I mean, it's... <laughs> the problem is, and I blame politicians for this, because the problem is both parties have taken this issue and they've decided to make it political. Instead of just saying, hey, guys, uh, alert, we need to do something here because this is what's happening with the climate. We are in a climate crisis. They have decided to make it a left-right issue. They've done the same thing with police brutality. Like, they do this all the time, and it's just nothing gets better. And meanwhile, the planet is literally dying, and they don't care. And the reason why they don't care even if and I, I argue that some of those the people, some of the politicians that are saying this climate change isn't real, I argue that I, I think some of them do know that it's real, but they're doing what the, their party wants. Their party wants them not to be for it. And so they're going to be fine, though, because a lot of those people, especially senators that have been there for years, people like Joe Manchin, you think he cares that the planet's dying? He doesn't. He's rich. He makes a lot of money off of the coal industry. He's one of the wealthiest senators that we have in Congress. If shit hits the fan, Joe Manchin has the money and the resources to leave. 
And the, the reality is the people that are going to be affected by this the most are people who are poor, people who are working class, and also people of color, because we we more likely live in those areas that are going to be highly impacted. But I've also found it weird that basically uh, conservatives, like, they say that climate change is a hoax. Um, I mean, if you're a farmer and there's been a drought for days, you don't think climate change, that's, that's not climate change? The fact that you can't grow anything, it's been hot for like three months and you can't grow a goddamn fucking crop, not even one. Or the fact that uh, you can't sell anything, you don't. there's not enough rain. You can't do anything. So basically for them, it's like uh, climate change is not real, but you're not making, you're, you're not really, you're not really making your ends meet here. So how is it not real? Well, I can tell you one of the things that I've noticed, like I said, I grew up in the church, things that they would tell us, and this, I can't say this is the same for every church, but they used to tell us that this was God doing this to punish the people for their behavior. And there are a lot of people in this country that believe that. So if that's what you believe, it's going to be easier for you to ignore science. Was one question was Obama's pastor there when he said that? No, <laughs> no, but it's just, it. you know, this, this, this is a big part of the problem, right? Like if you are pointing to the Bible for the reason why things are happening and that's fine for people who have if they that's what they believe, that's what they believe. But if that's always what you're pointing to, it is going to be really easy for you to ignore science. It's going to be easy for you. Even you can put the data right in front of them. I've done this with people and they will still just say, oh, I don't believe that. It's just a hoax. That's just something the Democrats are pushing on people to get people afraid and to get votes. Now, I will say this. It doesn't help that recently there was a video that I saw that was leaked of a CNN producer who was talking to someone and he was secretly recorded. And he actually admitted that CNN, the next focus is they're going to start pushing out fear about climate. Now, here's the problem. Yes, you should be concerned about climate crisis. This is a real issue that will affect some of us and definitely those of us who have kids and who have grandkids. Yes, they will be affected. But when you have videos like that, where you have someone who works at CNN saying we are going to push this because we really like to push fear onto people. This is how we get them to vote for the Democratic Party. Well, that doesn't help. So it was really frustrating for me to see that. Well, the Democrats, they're not for they're not for anything, basically. They're not even they're not for they're not for women. They're not really for black people. I mean, they they want to hedge. They would want to want to put their hedge on LGBT people. It's like it's like black people used to be the golden chain around the Democratic Party's neck. Nowadays, black people can't even be able to grill on their teeth. Now it's basically the they're basically the the sole underneath their feet. Basically, they don't care about. You. They don't. They don't. They won't. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to help you out. Basically, they don't want to make sure your business doesn't go go go. Uh, your business doesn't basically uh go bankrupt. They won't do anything. So they basically chosen which side they want to fight for. They'll choose the women's side, but they're basically pitching, hedging their bets on LGBT stuff. So I, I I don't think Democrats are going to do anything. And as for AOC versus Trump, I mean, I saw the poll. Like, a lot of people believe that AOC would beat Donald Trump. I'm like, really? Um, I that, I, that wasn't the poll results. Really? Because I, I saw it was like 80, 80, 16% something said that AOC might be Trump. 
16% is not a lot. The majority, the majority said no. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I said. Like you, you had like sixty percent that believed that she would, she would beat him. And AOC, she's basically like a, she's a wet blanket. She's a coward. Trump, you think Trump's gonna be unfiltered in front of AOC? I mean, didn't didn't he call uh, Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas on national television? <laughs> you think yep. he, you think he's gonna he's gonna, he's gonna basically uh, censor himself from calling her some name that's gonna go all around on Twitter? Well, the Democratic Party will cause her cause her to lose their self because knowing how they work, they're going to try to run on identity politics. They're going to say you could have the first Latina and the first female president at the same time. And that's what they'll use, what they try to use with Hillary Clinton. And they still didn't learn the lesson from that. And that'll cause them to lose. Like, that's that's the thing. It's like sometimes I have to remind myself. I have to get out of this like progressive DSA bubble area here in, in Boston, because yeah, there, there are a lot of progressives like in the area, but to be honest with you, once you leave the city, and this is the case for a lot of places, once you leave the city and you get out into the suburban areas and you get out into the rural areas, it's not that way. And they don't vote that way. They don't vote in favor of these policies. This is why someone like Bernie Sanders got second place in Massachusetts and Joe Biden got first place. It was the suburban communities that voted for Joe. So it's it's I'm just being a realist here as someone who I've lived in South Carolina. I've lived in North Carolina. I've lived in the southeast. Right. And I've lived in the northeast. You see how. Bernie did in South Carolina. Now, granted, Clyburn was one of those people that really came out and pushed Joe Biden. Do you think Clyburn is going to push AOC? No. Well, sure, sure, sure he will. I'm pretty sure if he has enough, if he finds enough fish to do a fish fry for her, she'll push her. If she's running on the same policies that Bernie Sanders ran on, especially Medicare for all, because see, Clyburn doesn't agree with Medicare for all. So if she's running on those same policies, I mean, he's going to tell yeah. people in South Carolina the same thing he told them about Bernie Sanders. Like, no, like, this is too radical. This is too extreme. But AOC sold out a long time ago. Like, you would probably say at 2020, she sold out. Right. But she's still she's still preaching Medicare for all and she's still preaching canceling student loan debt. Well, she's the young mama bear, so it won't take long before she basically starts singing a new tune to her donors. She already has Amazon backing her up. She's taking checks from Amazon. She's taking checks from whatever. What was the other place you said she was taking checks from other than Amazon? I forget. Oh, yeah, Alphabet but, Group. Yeah, well, she, well, she was, she's there now. Like, she's not going to do anything. She's probably going to bide her time. Wait till, uh, uh, Pelosi gets out of office. Maybe she'll buddy. She'll basically buddy up to Hakeem Jeffries. Who knows? Oh my God, he's 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 the worst. He's the worst. Um, but yeah, I think that this was all planned from the start. I think that AOC was the one that was chosen out of Justice Democrats to really be the one to kind of get to that point to run for president, right? Because you notice they didn't put as much attention and focus on Paula Jean Swearingen or Cori Bush, or or the rest of them. I don't know, Presley, people, a lot of times, like, I was in her district, so I was able to vote for her at the time, but a lot of people, a lot of times when you mention the squad, people don't even mention Ayanna Presley's name. 
A lot of times they forget about her. AOC was the one that they knew, hey, she checks off all the boxes. She's a woman. She's Latina. She she went to 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 a private university. She's the one that we can really use as the example. We can tell people. And by the way, Anna Presley also went to BU, but she didn't she didn't graduate. And the reason why she didn't finish there, I don't know if a lot of people know about this. She was assaulted when she was at uh, Boston University and the university did nothing about it. So that's news for you. If you guys are not aware of that, the university did nothing about it. So she's the one she like I said, she as much as a lot of people sometimes on the left say we're not going to do identity politics. They're doing it with AOC. There's if you're still pushing like, oh, yeah, she'll be great. You know, why do you think they're 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 pushing her because she checks off all the boxes? She's okay with identity politics. And uh, one last question is, uh, what about all the people that she she backed up? Well, she backed uh, she backed it during uh, after she became a senator. Like she had a bunch of people. She wanted them to get into uh, Congress. They all basically they they failed. And I, I think I saw one of them. Was basically calling AOC out. I think it was Cisneros. It was it Cisneros or somebody else. I forgot who it was. You basically talked about her, like she was basically calling AOC out. Uh, I forget. There were a lot of progressives that ran this time around, but I will say that the Justice Democrats group that we saw the first round. I don't think we're going to see that again. Okay. This is why a lot of them are losing like this time around. I don't think we're going to see that again because the Democratic Party decided, hey, you know, we don't need to get too many of these progressives in Congress. So let's adjust what we've been doing to prevent them from winning. And so they did so by implementing like more big money and things like that and primary challenges up against them. So they adjusted what they were doing. Uh, The first time this happened, they didn't even think... They didn't think AOC was going to beat Crowley. They're like, there's no way this girl's going to beat him. That wasn't supposed to happen. And if you look at the way that people move in this space, notice AOC did not endorse Cori Bush. I believe there's a reason for that. Cori Bush came from the Ferguson movement. Cori Bush says defund the police. So AOC smart now. She knows like, yeah, we're all going to work together as a part of progressives. But at the same time, I'm going to make sure I don't align myself too closely with someone like Cori Bush because she's about defunding the police. And that's not the message that the Democratic Party want to move forward with. She's smart. I don't I don't get how they how how can how can these these people just work with each other if they have nothing in common? They can't even work on one thing other than basically giving money to Ukraine, boosting the military, giving more money to, to rich people, which they did. They basically, I think it was, uh, Jimmy said it was the, uh, what's it called? It was some bill they put, they passed the CARES Act that funneled more money to the rich. They all, they all basically voted for it. I mean, they're there now. They're basically centrist. Anybody who thinks that, uh, uh, if you vote, if you vote Democrat, you're a lefty. You're not left. You're basically a centrist. You're you're basically uh, one of those moderate, uh, a moderate. You're not left because you won't even you won't even leave leave the party. One, you won't leave the party. You won't even call out basically your politicians for being dirty. So well, they're following. They're following Bernie Sanders' lead. Bernie Sanders voted for NATO. He voted for sending the billions of dollars to Ukraine. I mean, 
I'm sorry, but he was the leader of the progressive movement and they're following what he does. I don't think he was ever progressive. I mean, if, if you ever, if he, if he ever did do a deep record on a deep dive record on Bernie Sanders, uh, tell me if you ever find any secret donors. I'd love to know them. Mm. Well, sure. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller here. Okay. All right. Uh, Eric, you are on the mic. Hey, Sabi. How's it going? Hello. Hey, so, man, on this climate issue alone, like, that that should be a major reason to just, like, as as an anti-capitalist left to just make the eco-socialists and the Greens super the super majority in the Greens. Right. That'll be reason enough. I mean at least they at least they they're probably they're, they're the ones that acknowledge it. Like uh military's a big polluter here. Um we gotta fix this shit. Um will it actually be better? I, I can't even have hope that it will. Because you have too many people that are so left-right focused that they don't see the class issue. And and that again goes to a miseducated people and a mis and an undereducated people and, and ultimately a miseducated country. It's just we have problems, but then we can't solve them because we lack the understanding of what's really at the root of the problem. Well, hopefully some of that is starting to change. Um, I, I will say there is a group, I don't know if you've um, heard of them, but they're called uh, the Foundational Black Americans. And they've been pretty vocal. And I, they recently went viral on Twitter and they've let people know that, look, we are not voting for the Democratic Party if they do not give us reparations. And so maybe that's what it's going to take. Maybe it's going to take groups like that saying, if you don't do this, this and this, you're not getting our vote. Now, the Democratic Party can't win without the African-American vote. So maybe people who are climate activists can follow that same strategy and say, listen, we're not voting for you unless you stop the military industrial complex for the sake of the environment. Yeah, it's just. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want reparations with this system now. Um, basically, we have to go through a real societal rebuild, and of course, it has to be ecologically based. Because what? What the hell? We've already done so much damage to the planet. At this point, you're just minimizing what you can minimize. Exactly. Exactly. So here's the thing. And and this is something we've talked about this before on RBN. Um, I 100 percent support reparations uh, for slavery. At the same time, I'm going to say this. Let's say we get reparations for slavery, but the, the climate issue, the climate crisis continues on. Then what? What happens if we have nowhere to live? Like, literally, like, I don't I don't know if everyone realizes just how serious this issue is. I've noticed the changes. I noticed the difference. Like I said, I'm a a beach person. So I love to go to the beach every summer. 
and I noticed the difference. The water is rising. The, the ice caps, they're melting. And I feel like not enough people care. Like people care, but not, not enough that should. And it shouldn't just be like the younger generations that are very much invested in this. I hear a lot of like my former students, they care a lot about climate and they're very much like, we need to find a way to fix this. But this idea that I hear from some people that are older and not everybody, but some that are older for them to say they don't care because they won't be here. You know, that I think that's a piss poor attitude. And I've heard that from people before. They're like, I don't I won't be here. I don't care. No, that's bullshit. Then that's so you're, then, go ahead. Oh no. Then I like to use that as a as a dividing as a line to say, okay, the line's been drawn. You're not with me on this fuck off. Because this is non negotiable. It can go into one of the many things that can be a non negotiable for us as a people fighting to protect this planet. Yeah. And then I saw like after I even uh, reported that story about the climate bill, then I saw the next day, of course, after I, I told you guys about the story, I saw that Joe Manchin got something out of this for himself. So, of course, that's the only reason why he agreed to it. And like I said, it's crumbs. It's crumbs. And I think the media, you know, it's it's driving me crazy. Because they are just keeping us divided over a left versus right. And I'm like, look, forget the Democrat Republican issue here right now. Just forget it for just a second. And let's just focus on the fact that if things continue the way that they are going with the planet, with the environment, it's not really going to matter if you're on the left or the right, if you're dead. It's not going to matter if you're on the left or the right, if you have nowhere to live because the water levels have risen to that point. There's a show I think you guys should watch if you have um, Amazon Prime. It's called The Expanse. And that's exactly what that show was about. It's in the future. And this has already happened. Climate crisis came and people have pretty much a lot of people have left Earth and then they moved to places like Mars and they moved to like the asteroid belt and they found ways to uh, make it adaptable for people. Right. So the, the constant theme of the show is, well, wait a minute. For those of you who are coming here from Earth, don't come here and destroy our planet the same way that you destroyed your own. But you get glimpses here and there of Earth. And what you see is that New York City has a wall built around it because of the water. Uh, it's it's so different. It's so but and some people will look at that and say, oh, that's just a TV show. But that could happen if we don't change anything. Let me guess. Florida, Florida was underwater in this show. There is no Florida. Like there is no most of earth is covered by is covered by water so there isn't the united states that doesn't even exist earth is just called earth and there isn't like a president of the united states there's like a world leader and they lead the world because there's no a lot of the countries have been covered by water <sighs> i Everybody, if you have the opportunity to do so, definitely check out The Expanse because it's it's eerie in a sense because I'm like, if we don't change things, this is what could happen. And then there's 
an issue with those that live on the asteroid belt. The issue is, and you can see this happening with places like the Middle East right now, they have all the resources, but the people who live there are poor and have poor health and have a shorter lifespan because Mars and Earth steal their resources. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Just, I mean, shoot. Basically, the same thing has happened to Africa. Yep. Dear God. And that that's probably one of the main reasons I'll never forget Barack Obama for, for the shit with Libya. I mean... Yep. <sighs> Soon, as soon as they found out about the about the um, Dinar and um, Gaddafi's plan for United Africa, United States is like, hell no, let's bring them democracy. This sick motherfuckers. Too much intervention, too much involvement in other countries. It's a problem. Yeah, and like I said, ultimately it goes back to people being more educated at how shit really works. And I'm in Florida, so we have to deal with this whole bullshit with um, people thinking teachers aren't stealing critical race theory and um, uh, you're trying to teach children about transgenderism in third grade or some crazy shit. I'm like, Oh, we have bigger issues in this shit. You idiot. You special type of idiot from Florida. Oh my God. Well, they keep people divided over things that, and not to say critical race theory isn't important, but again, while people are fighting over that, we're not focusing on the climate emergency that we have. That's the problem. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just not, it's, it's really, it's really messed up. It's just not fair that you're, ultimately, you have kids being screwed out of real education from people who actually want to teach about this, about climate change, about real stuff in their science classes and stuff. Like, even science majors and actual science backgrounds are turned off from teaching because I'm not dealing with this cultural shit. That's right. It's like no, it's, it's like bro, like I want to teach about this, but I'm being pushed away from it. We don't have an ecosystem for this. Are the science teachers allowed to talk about climate change in the class? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious. I would, I would think. I mean, I would think. I just, I obviously don't know because I just haven't mm. really talked talk to my science teachers, but I mean, I, I would think you would because one of my sci- one of my science teachers teaches about mar- marine biology. I'm like about biology in general. I'm like, you would think you would talk about this. This seems like an unavoidable topic in your class. And especially with environmental science, I'm like, at some point, you can't... I, I, I get it. Our school isn't great. But like, Come on! At some point, you got to be real with these kids. That's I mean, right. High school, their high school is shit. They, they're almost adults. You need to be real with them, and they're practically begging us to be real with them anyway. That's right. No, it's true. It's true. Um, but thank you so much for calling in, Eric. I'm going to go to the next caller. All right, I appreciate it. 
All right. Uh, Tyler, you are the next caller. Hey, Sabby. Thanks for your show. I love your work. Everything you do is just wonderful. So I, I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much. Um, How are you so, feeling about this, Tyler? Okay, so I want to say I'm sorry I didn't catch the Abby Martin interview. I think everything she's, she does is really interesting. Um, and this is a topic I have a sort of a preconceived uh, perspective on. So I, I do want to say that I unfortunately didn't catch the segment. And so if I speak out of turn, I want to, you know, I want to apologize in advance and, and you can check me if you want. Um, but on, on this issue, you know, I, I do, I do see there an interesting like intersection between the left, right and the class consciousness sort of, sort of divides, right? Like, cause from my point of view, Right. Like I'm I'm working class and I have a lot of friends who were killed by the military industrial complex. Right. I have a lot of really, really well educated friends. And when when Trump was running for reelection, I said to some people in my circles, I said, look, I don't like him, but there's this left wing anti-imperialist argument for Trump. And I hate a lot of the stuff that he did, but he also tried to bring troops out of Syria, tried to end Afghanistan, tried to bring troops home from Iraq. And in every single case, Jimmy Dore makes this point, Democrats blasted him for it from the right. And this, you know, this, this obviously shook me after having been a left-wing anti-imperialist my whole life, you know, seeing the party that I had previously been associated with blasting an extreme right winger right winger from his right and then you know my more educated friends would go to make the environmentalist argument for me and they'd say you know you you got to you got to vote for democrats because you know Joe Biden is going to do some environmentalist stuff and you know Trump's going to burn down the planet and our grandkids are going to be underwater and I would look back at them and I, you know, knowing, knowing that, you know, I'm aware, I'm aware as an environmentalist, but also as an anti-imperialist, the military is the largest, you know, polluter in the history of the world. And no one ever talks about this other than people like Abby Martin when it comes to the environmental debate. And I would, I would say to them, you know, there's never been a president in my adult lifetime who tried to actually reduce the size of the most significant polluter in world history other than this guy. I mean, I'm 38 years old, and every single president I've ever lived under has been a massive extremist warmonger. And it's not like Trump isn't also that. But you gotta, you gotta get, you know, there's this anti-imperialist argument for Trump and that dovetails with an environmentalist argument that a lot of these people just hadn't thought about and weren't aware of, I think in part because they were so educated and they were so kind of in bubbled from the class divide that they weren't kind of made cognizant by the media they consumed that the military is the biggest polluter and the largest contributor to climate change in world history. And so I think, you know, people would make the, the, the left-wing argument, the environmental argument for the Democrats to me. And they'd say, you know, Joe Biden's going to do something for our, for our, you know, climate catastrophe. You know, so that's why you can't vote for Trump. And I'd go, even stepping aside the military issue, even, you know, given that you're not educated on that and like you should be, but like, let's leave that aside. I, I can even agree with the premise that, 
you have an issue in climate change that ends in, if it's not treated at all, it ends straight up in human extinction, right? Like we just keep on doing what we're doing. Like we're literally, it's going to be uninhabitable. I've, I've actually seen uh first couple seasons of the expanse. I don't know if we'd ever get that far given the rate we're going Tabby. Um, but, but I'll be honest, like, you made this environmental argument to me and I say, yeah, Trump's plan is to do absolutely nothing about the environment and that would end in human extinction. And Joe Biden's plan is to do about 1% of the changes that we would need to make to avoid human extinction. And I'm sorry, but given the gravity of the issue, because I actually agree with the, you know, the severity that, that left-wing people say that this is right. Like, Given the severity of the issue, you can't solve 1% of it and win my vote based on that. Like, I'm sorry, that's not a left-wing humanitarian, you know, progressive position. Your your outcome ends in human extinction just like the other guy. Like, give me a better argument. I'm sorry. So I've ranted a little more than I planned on because mm. there's a lot of people in the queue. So I'll let you just reflect on that. Yeah, I think... You know, I remember uh, one of the big criticisms that came out against Trump were some of the environmental issues uh, coming from Democrats when uh, Trump said he wanted to bring back uh, plastic straws. Right now, again, I live in an area that is pretty much pro. um, Let's try to, like, help clean up the environment. Right. Uh, a lot of people recycle here and not just individuals. I'm talking about, I went to Northeastern University, there's recycling all over the school. It was not that way at my undergrad at University of South Carolina. In fact, I don't think we ever had recycling when I went there, but pretty much every place you go here, like in the Boston area, especially Cambridge, Somerville, there's recycling and they're, they're really serious about it. There's also compost as well. But One of the things that it was even explained to me when I've talked to scientists at MIT was that even those things, recycling and like Trump talking about the plastic straws, those are small compared to the damage that is done by the military industrial complex on the environment. And I'm not here to tell people to stop doing those things, keep doing those things. But I want you to know that you have to stop that pollution coming from the MIC, you have to also stop things like fracking, which is also destroying the planet. Uh, Joe Biden is pro-fracking. So as long as those things are going on, we're not making a dent in it by the things that we're doing as individuals. So it's it's a big problem. And I'm glad that uh, Abby Martin brought this up. She was at RIMPAC. That's where this conversation came from, Tyler. And she's uh, she's making a film about how the military industrial complex basically is the largest polluter in the world. So I I just wish that more people would pass on this message because, you know, I see people doing this all the time. They think that they're making a big and this is not to say don't do it. But I just want you to understand that we're not tackling the beast. We're really not like when it comes to the climate crisis, we really have to go after the largest polluter, which is the military industrial complex. So these little things, these items that you just saw come through with this climate bill. That's nothing. That's peanuts. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I, I think you, you elaborated on my, my first point really well, which was like my, you know, my, my highly educated friends would be all, you know, supportive of these recycling and composting efforts. And we have them here in Colorado too. And, and they're good, right? But, but completely unaware because of, you know, limita- intentional limitations of, of class consciousness uh, of of you know this broader issue kind of almost almost intentionally being led to miss the forest for the trees right and 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 it's a really really and this this class consciousness is a really huge issue you know in, in part because of you know uh, media siloing information siloing and media propaganda that leads you know people through class you know class divisions to embrace right-wing extremist positions without realizing it, right? Um, and by the way, thank, I just, God bless Abby Martin. Thank her so much. I, when she drops this video, guys, everyone listening, our job is to make it a bigger hit than Don't Look Up because it's, it, you know, the, the fact, I think, again, there's people that really, really care about the environment and do not realize what the primary driver of environmental damage is. And and if she's making a movie that'll fix that issue, then we need to get as many eyeballs on it as possible. Tell all your friends, share it on your social media. Um, um, thanks thanks for doing a show on it, Sammy. Um, thanks and, so and much, just, Tyler. Just, yeah. As a last detail before I sign off, I just I wanted to pull my tongue out of my face the other day because John Stewart, you know, was ranting about this burn pits bill, right? And he's like, it's, it's yeah. insane that we that we don't provide medical care for our military members whose health was damaged by these burn pits and all the toxic stuff that's in them and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, he's making great points. Is nobody in this room okay. going to back the up for a second and go, wait a second, we let burn pits happen? Why don't we, like, not do that ever again? Like, what the... F- are, again, missing the four... Yeah, we should give medical care to the people that had to guard them but sweet Jesus, what are we, like, we're allowing the military to just friggin' do this in all these random countries that we've invaded for no reason? The fuck, let's talk about the burn pits and why we shouldn't do that anyway. Like, let's talk about what else we could do with military waste and how that military waste is this big of an issue. Like, again, missing the forest for the trees. I, I'll, I'll, yep. I'll sign off there. <laughs> Thanks so much yeah, for calling in, Tyler. Up. all good points all good points all right the next caller is amelia you just have to hit the unmute button amelia i'm waiting for you amelia i don't know maybe i should oh there you go hello hi you got me now do you have me now? Yes, I got you. I'm showing. Yes, I got you. Okay, aloha from Hawaii. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I am very familiar with Rimpak. It's an annual thing that happens here in Hawaii. <laughs> um, very familiar with the military-industrial complex and what it does to our environment here in Hawaii. Um, I can see it from many different sides, being that well, my background is that I'm a civil engineer and also I have a degree in geology. So I'm very familiar with not only climate change, but the solutions that are available. And for all your visitors, uh, audience members and everything in the show, I really recommend you guys watch Netflix, Kiss the Ground. It has the soil. It really features 
soil scientist slash educator Roy Archuleta. He's really good at explaining how if we actually, instead of Bill Gates owning a lot of farmland, and we had co-ops and things of that sort and small farms and did regenerative agriculture, we could bring down and sequester the CO2 that's now around 500 parts per billion, which is being recorded up here on Mauna Kea, on my island of Hawaii, the CO2 concentrations <laughs> um, by NOAA, uh, that we could actually bring down our CO2 level to about around 250, which is more than livable if we actually did that to our lands. So I highly recommend anybody to watch Netflix, Kiss the Ground um, on that because it does show a very good proven way to sequester carbon. And yes, we absolutely need to um, bring down the military industrial complex, although it's, it's, uh, it's, cash, it's kind of an interesting thing with them in that they are very much beholden to fossil fuels, but at the same time, they really need to get off of it. But are they going to really keep... But all the interests involved in the oligarchy want to keep it going so they can keep their money flow going. But the part that's never talked about, which I noticed over and over again, is that all of our oil was pretty much... A lot of our fossil fuels were pretty much created... Oil was 65 million years ago. It was created. And then all coal was between 300 and 360 million years. All of it was created back then. And nothing, no more is gonna, going to be developed anytime soon. It'll take another millions and millions of years for these deposits to be recreated, which is why we're fracking, because we're getting down to the last bit of the reservoirs. I know this because... Uh, with someone with my degrees, I honestly lost track of how many times ExxonMobil tried to recruit me when I was going to college. So, but I said no. I decided to come back home here to Hawaii and and do good instead of work for them. But um, I just want to like point that out, that there are solutions available. We can draw down. It's just really a matter of will. And you always um, stressing and pointing out mutual aid, direct action. Yes, we need to definitely do that over and over and over again if we're going to get out of this mess. And then also I can see on a personal note with the inflation, um, yeah, the cost of living here in Hawaii's always been high, but now it's like super high. So a thing that I finally got my act together on doing and, and I'd recommend this to anybody who can do this. I uh, get all my meat directly from a ranch. I do a subscription box with them. It's the same price every month. Lasts for a month of meat. And the price never goes up and it stays the same. And I'm supporting local agriculture. They do grass-fed livestock, which sequesters carbon. So if you have any chance to ever support community-supported agriculture in your area, do it. Because you can do, you can save money and you can start contributing to a system that's more cooperative and is solution-based. And the more we can points. support those kind of things, the better. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you for all that you do. You're a great educator. 
and uh, keep it up, you know, just, yeah, keep pointing this stuff up. And Abby's absolutely right. I mean, the military is the biggest polluter and yet they're going to be running out of full fuel very quick because we've hit global peak oil. Hence why it's not just global supply chains, the pandemic, why our oil is so high. It's also we're running out of it. In Saudi Arabia, it's proprietary knowledge, although actually there's a really good guesstimate of how much is left. And it's about 10, 20 years. And mm-hmm. after that, it's it's done. Mm-hmm. There is no more. So regardless, Thank you so we much have for that. to get off Thank of fossil so fuels. So, I yeah. mean, that's one thing. And you're right. Yeah. There is so much stuff that's not brought up anymore with regards to endangered species and solutions for climate change and the fact that, yeah, we're experiencing it now. It's The propaganda is just horrendous. It always never was good, but it's gotten way worse recently. No, I agree with you. Um, no, I'm, I'm just going to mute you for just a second because I think you have a echo. Oh, I do. I'm sorry. Okay, I think it's Here, gone. Is it better now? Oh, that's weird. I thought I hit mute. Okay, yeah, it's better now. Um, what I was going to say is that... Um, uh-oh, it's back. Uh-oh, it's back. Oh, it's back? Sorry. It's weird. On my app, it shows it's that weird. you're muted, but... Oh, really? I didn't mute anything. That's weird. That's, <laughs> that's weird. That's a that's an app glitch. That's Can a, you just hit mute for really, really quick? I will try very soon. Okay. 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 Um, what I was saying was, uh, Amelia, those are all really great points. And you brought up the subscription boxes, um, getting meat from a ranch, if you can. So this is something I used to do a couple years ago when I, I don't know, I got lazy and I stopped doing it. I don't remember why, but anyway, um, if you guys are worried about whether or not you'll be able to consume it as fast as you get it, put that bad boy in the freezer, man. Like, remember with the meats, you can always put them in the freezer. Um, also too, and I've said this before, and I'm, I'm really serious about this. If you have been thinking about becoming a vegetarian, now would be a good time to start. I'm not kidding. I think that we have to like start looking at other uh, alternatives here as well. One thing I do want people to be aware of, and this is something that I'm really, I think is going to be the biggest problem, is going to be water. And I've already seen this start to happen. There was a woman that came on a couple months ago when she told me that Bill Gates was actually stealing water from her town uh, in New Mexico. You have Bill Gates buying up all this farmland. But water, I think, is going to be the item that is going to become the biggest issue later on. I don't know how far in the future, but I say this because I already see water shortages now. So that's something that we're going to have to deal with at some point in the future. And I think the sooner we can get on that now, like figuring out what can we do to possibly like prevent that, we need to get on that. But that's going to be one, I think, that is going to be problematic because we're already seeing water shortages now. And you see what's happening with places that do have water, like towns like Flint. They have water, but the water is is making people sick. So 
Not everybody can afford to buy bottled water. So that's something that I want to keep in mind here. But thank you so much, Amila. It was nice to hear from someone who lives in Hawaii. Um, so you're familiar with RIMPAC. Well said. I'm going to go ahead and bring on the next caller, and this is Schnarf. Sabby, how you doing? Hello. I smoked the blunt, so I'm very mellow right now. So I'm not going to get all hot and heavy like I always do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what I wanted to bring up was uh, something that I think a lot of people skim over. Uh, the Republican Party has a economics professor that they reference for the positive aspects of global warming. Yes, there is an asshole that does exist that says this. And his name is Richard Toll. You guys can look at him and take a look at some of the stuff that he he's, he's about. But the bigger picture is that the vast majority of the petrochemical industry, the financial industry, all these guys subscribe to his economic models. So it's already in place that the vast majority of corporate America has decided that the temperature increase is actually a good thing. So just to give some perspective, this economic model believes that if, with the rising temperatures, that there's going to be more um, agricultural output. The one thing the model doesn't take into consideration is precipitation. Because as a result of global warming, you're going to see the decline in, precip in precipitation and where it counts. So that you're going to see farmland turn into a barren wasteland. So our business sector, i.e. our blood-sucking capitalists and also our ro roving cavaliers of finance have decided that what's happening right now is a good thing. Our entire economic system is based off of making money off of the destruction of the planet. So I know everybody likes to recycle, but I'd like to remind you that it's kind of fucking pointless because the largest polluters are in bed with the producers of the very things that are destroying Earth, right? And until we, we, we sever that relationship, then we have no chance. And I think it goes back to the same thing, which is if if we can't take control of of the reins of the corporate entities, we're pretty much screwed. So I now I gave you all the bad news and shit. Let me give you some good news. Okay. So the good news is is that there was there were several experiments done in Brazil with land that's been kind of decimated and land that's been destroyed and its recovery process. So the the reintegration of, of the forest actually doesn't take longer than a decade to take place. So I think in theory, I think what the capitalist class wants to do, they want to play a game of Russian roulette with the with the planet. They want to see if they can maximize all the profit out of out of the the the, the fossil fuels, right? And then what they want to do is do a quick transition to whatever else comes next, and at the same time they want to recover the planet after they've wrecked it. I don't know why this policy is, is probably the trajectory they're going for, but I think that's the trajectory that would make the most amount of profit. And I can't think of anything else that these assholes want to do. And 
I can't stress the fact that nobody seems to really go after the intellectual backing of these really fucked up propositions. Like, I don't hear the left talking about Richard Toll. I don't hear the left arguing about the, 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 the scientific basis for what, uh, what corporate America is doing. I hear a lot of let's recycle, let's become vegetarians, let's assimilate to neoliberal late stage capitalism. We don't take direct action because we, I think, have been so habituated to accept everything as is. And I don't think that's a good thing. I really don't think it's a good thing at all. But there's some hope. We could fix the rainforest if we try 10 years. This is really good to hear, uh, Schnarr. Thank you so much for telling us about this. I actually have never heard of that that guy until you just told me tonight. Um, so I will definitely look him up. But I, I want to mention a picture something. Of him? Did you see a picture of him? A picture of him? Let me see. Yeah. If you, oh, my God. When you see a picture of him, he, he's the goofiest looking motherfucker on earth. <laughs> he's just goofy looking. Like he, he, I don't know who cuts his hair, but like he must be oh, he must be smoking like old school PCP. <laughs> OK, I just hair. I just saw the picture. Oh, wow. Um, But one one thing I want to say when you mentioned the. Uh, uh, precipitation. There's two things I want to say. Number one, you guys know that in some places in the United States, it's illegal to collect rainwater. I don't know if everyone's aware of that because one of the arguments I'm not I made sure. one time, I'm not, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that. Yeah. But, but you want to know something? Like this is this is going to sound kind of kind of like hand in hand with this, but in Germany, like one of the motivations for Karl Marx to become who he, he became was that he used to be a newspaper uh, reporter and editor. And one of the reasons why he decided to do this is because the state started to prosecute the, the poor people that lived in the forest that were gathering firewood. Like they were locking people up for, for for picking up firewood, so so collecting rainwater does not surprise me because the very the very essence of of what we live in is predatory. I mean, like you, the housing market. Like what's what's going to happen eventually is that is that corporate America is going to be tied right into right into housing, right? So there, one of the benefits of working for a company, let's say, is that you get this type of housing. And that that's all through the financial companies. We have no interest in getting that shit under control. We have no interest in that. And I'm so sick and tired. Like I, I know, I know. Like I'm high, and I'm I sound a little bit happier. But like, if I wasn't, I would really be pissed. But like, at some point or another, we have no intention of taking the dramatic steps to change this. All we do is, is react to it. We got to stop that. We got to, we got to go to the source. And I'm telling you, it has to be it, like, as much as I don't want it to be violent, it might be, but like, it has to be dramatic and it has to be asymmetrical, meaning that we hit, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, they're, they're, they're caught off guard so badly that they can't cope with it. And I don't know what the best ways to do that are exactly, but I can tell you corporate America already has decided that global warming is the policy, not the threat. 
Right. And I honestly believe that they they want some form of population control. We're, the, the world is overpopulated, guys. And I really think that they want people, it's going to sound bad, but I really think they want people gone. I really do. And so they see this, basically it's working the way it is designed to work. They really don't want to help us. Now, I say this and people come back and say, well, what are you supposed to do? Just not vote? I think you have to look at the bigger picture. They, being the people in power, really do not have any intention on helping you or me. And that's a reality. And I think the sooner we can all understand that and come to grips with that, then we can start helping each other and working together like Things that Rome does with tour for the poor, how Rome travels across the country, feeding and clothing people. We should be all doing that in our local areas. And that's what we're trying to do at RBN, set up local chapters so that all of us are have these things established in our communities so that Rome doesn't have to go across the country like and continue doing that and all that traveling. We can all do this in the communities that we have, because I'm telling you right now. With all this focus on left versus right, at the end of the day, when shit really hits the fan, and I think it's going to come to a point where we're going to have some type of chaos. And that's what really what it's going to take for a lot of people to wake up. And so you saw this somewhat in uh, David Serretta's, um Sirota's movie, Don't Look Up. Now, yeah, that was somewhat political. But the message that was delivered is that people didn't, the masses did not wake up until they saw it for themselves, But by then it was too late. So I think the thing is, is that we see resources are, de- are deplenishing. We see that we have water shortages. Hell, people don't even have clean water in some of these towns. Uh, I see that Leroy just said in the chat, Las Vegas, Nevada. So that's one of the places where it's illegal to collect rainwater. This is what I'm saying. These laws are in place on purpose. Because you can collect rainwater and use it for other things. Why do you think some places are telling you you can't do it? It's illegal to do it. But I'm telling you right now, I think that when we look at the corporations, when we look at, I mean, the people who really are running things in the world, not just the country, in the world, they don't want to help us. That was never a part of the plan. The plan is to look out for them and people like them. So all these politicians. I got oh, a quick ahead. question for you. So th- there was a recent discussion that I had with a couple a couple of people and and this came up, right? So so if an individual claims to be a leftist, could they would it would it be contrary to their beliefs if they owned stock or participated in financial capitalism even in a in a to a small degree? I don't know. Like, I don't even call myself a leftist or progressive anymore because I feel like the term has been co-opted by the Democratic Party, like establishments there. So I consider myself. I think you would make a very cute communist. I consider myself to be a uh, to be a Marxist. But, I like um, that. Me too. I, I I would say like I personally don't participate in stock. I don't have money to participate. I don't. I don't have the kind of money to participate in the stock. And even if I did, I probably still wouldn't because. I really one of those people for the reason why I don't gamble. I cannot afford to lose money that I have. Like I hold on to it and I don't like to spend money as much as I can. So I couldn't see myself doing that, but it's hard 
because the system that we live in is a financial capitalist system. So as much as I despise capitalism, this is what we live under. And that's that's the part that really bothers me is the fact that they don't want us to have any type of socialism, real socialism in this country, because they know, yeah, that really would put a lot of people on even uh, even a level playing field. They don't want that. That's the thing. They don't want everybody to have something. They want people to be poor. You know, you know what they what, what the what the bigger picture is, is that they can drive down the cost of labor based on the the least amount that they pay for work. So I think I think we're, we're really past that because that already happened in the 70s and 80s with the globalization of labor. But like, I, you know, the, the most important thing that I always stress and nobody seems to give a fuck when I say it is disposable income. The real reason why we as, as a as a contingency of whatever you want to call it, left, progressive, I mean, dare I say communist, dare I say socialist or whatever. The real reason why we don't have any, like an ax to swing is because there is no money behind it, you know? And that money not being there is is the reason. So effectively, what what needs to happen is that, I, and, I, and I'm and I'm starting to suggest this, and I don't even know like if this idea would work, but the co opting of corporate America, like we have to infiltrate somehow corporations. Now that that sounds nuts, right? People are like, how how the hell am I going to get a job in corporate America? I mean, these companies want you to have X, Y, and Z, and it's like I don't have that. I don't know. Like I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know how the hell I have a job. I'm gonna be honest with you. If they knew who I was, they shouldn't. They should have never fucking hired me. You know. <laughs> but but point being is that if you <laughs> infiltrate certain companies and you have a presence, then your agenda is easier to push. Yeah, at the top, it's all the fucking parasites, but there's still like, there's a lot of ground to cover. And I don't think we talk about that enough. I think we've written it off. I think it's just like, we look at it like, oh, that's where the capitalists are. To be honest with you, if you don't go to the, to the, to the cave, you're not going to kill the bear because that's where he sleeps. What are you going to do? You're going to take it on while it's walking around. It'll tear you to pieces. The only way to, to get something like that is again, asymmetrical warfare. It's the only way. And that's it. I don't know what you think about that. that. I'm, I'm going to um, go to the next caller, but that would also mean, which is something we've been saying a lot of RBN, that would mean that you would have to align with people that are on the right. And this is what I've been telling people. Like, you think people on the right don't need health care? Of course they do. You think some of them don't need their student loans canceled? Of course they do. But the yeah, parties—it's it got to be a. It, what has to happen is 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 an organization of people, like a, like a fraternal organization of people within a corporation. You corner certain aspects of it, and you drive your own policy. And when I say you drive your own policy, let's say like I always use the example of Verizon. Instead of Verizon actually not putting uh, broadband in rural areas, you push for that, and then on top of that, you drop the cost of internet for for people. You you start pulling Verizon out of the FCC. You you make net net neutrality something that's that that is concrete and stone. You start creating ways of of protecting people's data and privacy. 
I'm telling you, that's the only way that I see going forward, because if that's where the money's at, then messing with the Democratic Party and talking about the ship of Theseus is, is like it, it, it's just the same old game, man. I'm tired of Bernie Sanders. I'm tired of AOC. I fucking can't stand these people. There's no they're not going to deliver those results. Yeah, I hear you. Schnarf, thank you so much for calling in. I do want to get to the next caller, but thanks so much. All right. Uh, Lance, you are the next caller. Just have to unmute. Hey, Savvy. Sorry I missed Abby. She's great, too. Great to talk to you. Oh. Hey, how's it doing? You don't sound like your chipper self tonight. What's happening? Oh, um, well, I, I'm semi-chipper. My uh, Exactly a week ago. How'd you catch that? You know, uh, my, my uncle that I take care of and lived with for the last four or five years, he passed away. And I, uh, uh, you know, so I'm a little down with that. And he was like, next oh. to my parents. he was like the closest, uh, you know, uncle or relative, you know, uh, outside my parents, you know, in my life. But yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Lance. Oh, well, thanks for picking up on that. I didn't <laughs> I know I sounded that down. <laughs> but yeah, a little, you know, I'm, I'm bearing up okay, but thank you. What are you um, thinking about all of this, Lance? Well, you know, two quick, two, couple quick things I really want to talk about the mutual aid thing because, as usual, callers and more things pop up and scrape on the environment. Um, but, you know, I, I guess speaking of which, right about moods and all that, I, I, I'm an eternal optimist, and uh, and yet I'm a total cynic, like Vinny Gambini, total contrarian. You know, I've got to question everything. And okay, so back in the day, the EPA. That was under Nixon administration, a lot of great environmental stuff, not because he was so savvy to it, but uh, because of the fact that the left, the elites at the time, the young elites then uh, pushed things to the left in a lot of ways, anti-war, because that was only about a 50-50 proposition. But, you know, the movers and shakers forced it and the environment, you know, cleaning up the act and clean air, clean water act, all that stuff. Then it just deteriorated because anything you do, whether it's labor stuff in the New Deal, whether it's environmental, the corporations are always going to constantly push back. You have to keep fighting the same battles over and over and over and over. That's just a given. Going back to ancient Egypt, probably, or something. But so, you know, there's that. I was at the No Nuke Rally in New York City. A million people. The place was tra- up to your ankles from everything from right wing to left wing, mostly left, everything in between. They said they handed out bags. Everybody picked up the trash. They canceled all the cleanup crews. Zero arrests. A million people. It was beautiful. There's no new gravity in New York City, 1982, uh, actually in July. All that stuff was great. And now, like the water keepers get destroyed. And they, they, you know, it's like the indigenous people should basically run the environmental protection of the country. You know, they're just the best at it. You know, but here's the thing. I had a fascinating conversation with a really open-minded, like, climate scientist. I say open-minded because one of my points was that no matter what the cause is, there's a lot of closed-mindedness within the scientific community. And I said, what about natural warming? Of course, global warming, human cause, yeah. And she said, yeah, yeah, we are. We're in a we're in an overall warming pattern anyway, And but of course, you know, human, human cause to the max. But remember that guy who was the Exxon? lobbyist and he said yeah yeah we promised the big stuff we said do everything do it all because he knew they wouldn't do anything i think some of this and this is the cynic in me is a scam now here's the thing epa and all that stuff that happened everybody said think globally act locally i used to switch it around and say no think locally act globally 
meaning worker rights, art and culture, whatever it is, you better connect globally because we're going to have global corporations. So, you you know, so I used to flip it around. But there is a point to obviously think globally, act locally, clean up your local. You know, you can control local things by making it so overwhelming that it's like Horton hears a who until every last country out of 200 especially the major ones, are all on board 100%. We can't fix climate change. Therefore, it's too overwhelming and it can't be done. If I was a lobbyist for fossil fuels, I think I would go with that as opposed to all of the places that are being polluted in the small local ways. I'm sorry, but I just think some of this is a scam. And some of it is like true global warming, true human cause. Okay, so the 97% of scientists, 98, whatever percent are right. But they're forced to make sure that it sounds so apocalyptic. You know what I mean? So I'm telling you, there's people like Soros. Okay, maybe left-wing, like asshole. I don't know if Steyer, maybe he's a real environmentalist, but I'm sorry. I'm really cynical about this. And I think that part of this is a scam, like recycling and a lot of this other stuff. If you make it too overwhelming, then it can't be fixed. And so I think there's some of that going on. Because there's a lot of things going on that are whether or not global warming is human cause or not, they're horrible. And we're, well, we're like, oh wow, we can't solve it all. I don't want to. Yeah. One thing I will add, um, in reference to the scam part. Yes, ma'am. You know, Rome mentioned this one time before about even with recycling. He said if recycling really did much really really worked and created a great impact they wouldn't let us do it yeah right uh yeah no but it's so deeper than that i think it's all of it and uh, i think that uh you know uh it's just yeah uh we're just not oh i don't want gas to go from four to five to eight a gallon that uh no i don't but that's what happened in europe and that's why they have high speed rail and that's why they have a fantastic network i was there this is like 89 90 and it was amazing you go from country to country with regular trains some of it was high speed but mostly not it was mostly just regular like 100 you know honey whatever regular train but you could go from country to country boom 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 and and transfer from a hovercraft to a bus you know intermodal you know like you had to go across the channel from england blah 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 and it was amazing and here's the thing about high-speed trains and high-speed rail. How we got the interstates was we had trolleys, all of trolleys with, uh, that were electric. So Goodyear and and and, and Rockefeller, you know, uh, uh, you know, Exxon, Standard Oil, and all they they just all got together and said, "Screw it!" They all bought up all the trolleys and said, "Oh wow, we got to have buses because they can go on all the streets." It was a scam. It was a total propaganda right out of you know whatever the you know manufacturing consent. Not only manufacturing, they bought up all the municipal trolleys and replaced it with combustible and leaded fuel. And then, okay, so that was all a scam. Here's the thing: New York State Thruway. Here's the New York State. Now, if you know anything about New York State. Topography, north to south, you go from mountains to flat to mountains. It, it's not, but from Buffalo to Albany, it's essentially totally flat and straight. The throughway is amazing, but it, it, okay. The median strip is for high speed rail and they built it in the fifties. It was specifically built when they say, Hey, look, instead of having the width for four lanes, two each way, let's buy, it wasn't for safety, which is a good thing too. Like the Pennsylvania Turnpike had just a rail down the middle, but it was for high speed rail. If they ever want to do it, now we, they had already bought the, uh, 
appropriate, like eminent domain when they had to buy up all the stuff for high-speed rail someday. Can you imagine people going 200 miles an hour, 250 miles an hour, doing all the what are now distractions instead of having to drive on their computer on their way to work, whizzing by people in, in like, bam, bam, you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's. Well, our infrastructure system is a complete mess. Amtrak also is a complete mess. Like it's 2022. There's no reason why we should not have high speed rail in this country already. Like you said, like when I lived in Europe, they had high speed rail then. I mean, we're so far behind. Too many curves. So it it would cost a bazillion, trillion dollars for some places on the East Coast because of the curves. So you can't, you know what I mean? It's just like it's physically impossible because you have to like, buy so much width to fix it. It's, it, it's, it's logistically ridiculous, but not from Buffalo to Albany and not from Albany to New York city. Cause you have the Hudson Valley there too. Right. Okay. Right. Well, why can't they just replace the current like Amtrak rails that we have now? Well, why can't they well, replace those trains with high speed trains? Well, for the same reason that nobody can fly. It's, it's like ridiculous. Even with a well run, even in Europe, or in, 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 in like, you know, modern parts of, of the Orient, you know, like Japan or China, where they have, it's quicker to go like under two or 300, whatever it is, miles by train, no matter what, even with a well-functioning plane system, you see? So even with a well-functioning train system, you, you can go quicker by train than you can by air. So by the time you do security, and let alone the way it is now with cancellation, trains don't get canceled. It's bizarre. And when I tell people that we live in a third world country, they don't want to believe me. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's honestly, it's annoying and it's, it's really frustrating, but you're right. Once you have to do the check-in at the airport, like I think you got to get there two hours ahead now, do the check-in, go through all that, the security checks. I mean, that's why someone asked me one time, like, why didn't you just fly from Boston to New York? And I'm like, bro, it's literally four hours away. Like, it's literally, it's quicker for me to hop in my car and drive to New York. I can get there driving faster than the time that it takes for me to check in through the airport, wait for everybody to get on the plane. Then you get there and wait for everybody to get off the plane. It's just something needs to be done about that. But I just think that, again, I think that there's been a lot of money that's been spent in the wrong places. You cut that bloated military budget and you can implement some of these things in the United States, but they don't want to do that because they want to be the world's police. They want to intervene in these countries and they want to steal their resources. And it's really a shame. They, they really don't care about us. They care about, you know, what's best for their pocket and their, their bottom line. And it's, it's just, we've been fed so much propaganda. It's disgusting. Yeah, uh, and I'm writing a whole thing, man, about like, well, for instance, I call it the five families of pharma of uh, in the medical community. You got pharma, NIH, FDC, CDC, and the AMA. It's like the five Gambino, you know, like the five family, mafia family. If, if there was a report that 100,000 people were killed, were dead because of overdoses, because of like mafia heroin, they, they, they'd be having, they'd be having like FBI cracked out like they did when it was happening. You know what I mean? But the fact that it's the Sacklers and Johnson and Johnson with asbestos and baby powder and shit, it's like, eh, you know, sorry, we're going to find you, 50, we're going to find you 30 billion. They made 250 billion, you know, it's like, wow, what a, what a penalty. Mm. They're murderers, you know, they're, they're worse than the mafia. And it is like that. Did you hear the, the current thing right now today? With this, like, reduced drug prices, 
They said, don't yep. worry. We're going to be able to, the pharma guy, the, the, the number one guy, the CEO of pharma, not somebody who was like some, you know, lobbyist, the, the CEO of the company itself, right? Said, don't worry about this reduction in prices that they're doing now with Medicare uh, 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 negotiation, which is pathetic in the first place anyway. He said, we're going to be able to chop away bit by bit in the next few years, and we're going to be right back where we were. Go go look it up. Yeah. Oh, wow. said that. Right. They are the mafia. And the thing is, like the mafia, like they will come after you. A guy, a, a doctor reported another, a bunch of doctors, a doctor about washing your hands. The richest guy I ever knew died in the hospital from an infection he picked up in the hospital. A guy who could literally have flown in like the, the most five expensive doctors in the world to think he was a big bad laceration about us. He died of an infection in the hospital. All right, and the biggest reason for those is one to the other doctors or whoever doesn't wash their hands. This doctor was a whistleblower about do other doctors and the high level, you know, people that were t dealing with patients and touching them, not washing their hands. He got hounded out of the job. Then he went to Massachusetts to pick up. Fuck it, I got to get out of this is upstate. Going to take over the whole. Uh, by the way, they're going to take over seventy-one percent. They're going to own of the entire medical community now. They're the biggest hospital. They're taking over the second biggest. Oh my God, they already took over the third biggest. It's nuts because they're horrible. And okay, so this guy had to go to Massachusetts to pick up his career. They put stuff in articles and they destroyed his career in Massachusetts. They completely destroyed this doctor's career specifically because he blew the whistle on doctors not washing their hands. So that's how mafia. So it's like the, like when they do the protection racket where they say you need protection because otherwise your building's going to get destroyed and so will your business. Well, it never happened before. No, no, no. What we're telling you is it will if you don't do what we tell you. It, they're 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 like the mafia. Yeah. They will literally destroy people's career. They will destroy people's career. And like you were saying before, and we're saying they will let hundreds of thousands and millions of people die. And they all this stuff about these psych meds that they will that, that are reverse making people kill themselves. They don't care if they're going to say we're going to do stuff for depression and dementia and for all this and for imbalance, even if it means the opposite and it means more suicide than it does the opposite. They don't care because they're going to make sure their yeah. people know not to. Yeah. yeah. No, these are all good points. Uh, thank you so much for calling, Lance. I'm going to go to can the I next caller. Can I just say, throw in one last thing about the mutual aid thing? I mean, like, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm poor, but I'm not broke. But I mean, is Rome in the Northeast? Because I'll pay Rome for is in. Nice, I'll pay Rome for a nice hotel, literally, for if I could, because I, I'm trying to do a cafe and start something that, and I, it's one of the things I want to do is farms. Rome is in. okay. Rome is in Detroit, Michigan. All right, but if he's coming back through the east, right? I'm in the in a rural area, like kind of in Trump country, but it's in the country. But my goal is to start a business where it's kind of a worker co-op that's run by homeless and former criminals. Well, former criminals and homeless. Form, you know, like that sounds like a that sounds like a good idea. Um, I, I recommend reaching out to Rome about that. Um, reach out to him on Twitter. Right. Um, if you can, yeah, reach out to him about that. Uh, but I do want to go ahead and make sure I grab the next caller, and that's uh Brady. Brady, you are next on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hello. You're the absolute best. I hope you saw my super chat the other day. That was an apology for um asking you to interview Je uh, Jesse Ventura. I know that was rough, but it was a brilliant oh. explanation. <laughs> Brilliant expose you did. You know, you changed my mind about him. It was when I saw him on the Vanguard, he did so good, I thought. And then when I saw him with you, he did not do so good. So that was that was cool. And um, I did recommend that you talk to Abby Martin. So it's just so cool that you happen to have uh, run into her like that. 
And next on the list would just be Whitney Webb. Highly recommend her. And I just need you like as a friend today and as an organizer, just to stay on topic real quick, I'll just mention that, you know, we have nuclear subs floating around the ocean. I don't see why we can't have nuclear power plants uh, on the nuclear test sites where we had um, done all those nuclear tests and just build the nuclear power plants right, whether it's with a thorium reactor. Now, thorium may have been debunked. I don't know if it's real or not, but nonetheless, it is possible to build uh, nuclear reactors in a responsible way in responsible places and something we could look into. And just to bring it back home, I think that if we were to legalize psychedelics and cannabis for everyone, it would really get the mental gears turning and kind of relaunch the green movement that happened organically back in the 60s. And on that note, the reason I need you as a friend and an organizer today is because I've had a rough week and I just I live here in Texas and I got sold a whole ounce of CBD for like 200 bucks. And so I'm broke and I don't have any weed now. And like, it's just really hard in Texas. And I was wondering if there's any kind of Texas chapter, San Antonio chapter of the network you're trying to build. And if not, can I get it started now? Cause I need some help over here in Texas. I'm, I'm ready to take this case and put my head on the line to make sure everyone has access to cannabis in Texas. Wow. Awesome. Thanks there, Brady. Um, so that is our goal. Like we want you guys to also like start whether it's a mutual aid like network or just like helping people in your community, we want you guys to do that too. Cause we're only like, there's only five of us um, in RBN and we live in different States, but we can only do as much as we can right in our areas. So we really want you guys to get those things started too. Now I know CJ actually did a stream about this. I think it was yesterday. Um, it was called the activism uh, stream and CJ talked about how he wants to do, we already met about this, but the RBN chapters and things like that. But you guys definitely go ahead and like, if, if that's what, if you are ready to get going and do those kinds of things, definitely do it. Like you, you definitely don't have to wait for us or to get the go ahead from us. Um, I will say, I know at some point we're going to do a mutual aid workshop. I'm going to try to get a Rome on stream for that so he can explain to you how to do it because there's a certain way you want to go about it. Like to do mutual aid, obviously you have to crowdfund, right? So you have to get money from people and there's, there's good ways to do that and there's bad ways to do that. So we definitely want to do a stream to teach you how to do that and how to get mutual aid going in your neighborhood and it could be you know the needs of your community better than we do right so it could be that people in someone's neighborhood may need you know help with food it could be the needs in another person's neighborhood they may need help with transportation maybe there's people that can't drive maybe people need gas money uh rome has been giving out diapers to people on uh, the last couple of trips that he's uh taken as well i know diapers can be incredibly expensive right so you know what people in your community need so i think that's important. Like definitely just go ahead. And if that's something you're ready to do, you don't need permission from us to do that. And some people have already started doing that. They said that Rome inspired them. So they started doing mutual aid in their own communities as well. So absolutely. Um, in reference to talking to people. Yes, I've, I've reached out to Abby Martin before. Uh, maybe I could try again. I think that was, that might've been a long time ago. Um, and Whitney Webb, I do not have, I couldn't find, she's another one I can't find contact information for. Um, so if somebody knows how to get in touch with her, 
definitely let me know. All right, I'm going to bring on the next caller, and that is Sinwi. Um, Sinway. Um, oh, Sinway, sorry. It's all right. So, um, talking about, like, uh, going up against the military-industrial complex. So, um, are you familiar with Code Pink? Yes. Uh, Medea Benjamin, she was on an activism panel that I did, I think that was back in February. Wow. All right. Um, so, I saved this one talk they did about the military-industrial complex at the community level. And a lot of them, they emphasize, was universities. Um, Because of, well, besides, well, I wouldn't be surprised of the, well, mainly for the recruitment, but also, especially on the eastern side, you got D.C., you got Fort Meade, you got West, you got Virginia in particular, but um, to combat the military industrial complex is, well, the only thing I could think of is, like, starving them of recruits, which... It could be a bit bigger if it was, like, through most of the country. And so that's that's one of the ways to combat, again, at the community, at the local level, but with the, with the mindset of the, global, of the globalist mindset. And... And I guess just thinking, going outside the, just outside the box when it comes to environmental, uh, especially when it comes to, um, uh, community, all the mutual aid, for example, from rainwater to food. And I brought this idea up to my group. And one of the members, she said that there are so many um, different organizations, official and a bit local, like charity-based nonprofits that are out there in Maryland. And while that's true, the next question that came to mind is how many people know of these organizations? If so, do they? what's the quality when they go to them? In fact, there are some that I was not familiar with, besides the fact that my family never contacted them, that really needed them well off, basically. But also, if I was in that situation, what were, what words would I put in? Well, I think it'd be simple, but sometimes you could forget that you could search and oh wait but what if you don't what if people don't have internet so those are the things i well i wish yeah. i could like express <laughs> yeah but i think you know the college, mentioning the universities i think that's a good idea and i think you have also the right idea and someone else had mentioned this earlier about trying to do this on the local level um that's really where we need to start And I got to say, you know, I think after talking to Chris Hedges about organizing, I think even I have gone about it the wrong way before, because after the pandemic, we just couldn't 
you know, when that, when that started here in the Boston area, my state was shut down. So I couldn't do those things I was doing before where we would meet in person and we would come up with like events and ideas. So that's where the online activism came in. And we kind of got stuck there. Like, I'll be honest, like we kind of got stuck just doing it online. And I think, yeah. you know, Chris had just kind of woke me up to that. To like, no, you got to go back to doing this stuff in person again. Yeah, absolutely. And I could definitely use that panel on how to organize mutual aid. Um, I also wish that, well, well, that's going to be up to me if I really want to start in my community. It's just, I got really inspired to do mutual aid. Um, hearing Rome talk about its effectiveness and how close it is just to help people. So, um, this panel would definitely yeah. be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to um, try to get together with uh, Rome about that. Um, to make sure we can do an actual panel for it because it's not something like what he does. Like it's not easy to do when he came to Boston and we did tour for the poor here. It's not easy. And granted there were a group of us like doing that together here because there were a lot of people that volunteered to help. But a lot of times when Rome goes to some of these cities to do mutual aid, Rome is by himself. A lot of times wow. he doesn't have anybody to help him. Yeah. Like we need someone to go pick up, you know, like $200 worth of pizza. You have to get someone to go pick up all the items from the store, whether it's Target or Walmart. That includes like the diapers, the clothes, all of those things. Somebody has to have a vehicle to transport all of those items in. Uh, so it's a lot of a lot of things that are needed to go into it. And it's easier when you have more people helping you. But when you're by yourself, like that can be, I would think stressful, especially if you're going to a place like Los Angeles, where there's a lot of tent communities and you can mm. become overwhelmed. I know I would be overwhelmed. I think if I went out to LA by myself and tried to do this by myself. Oh yeah. I would too. Um, so that's to be the next part is how to motivate people. Um, I live in a pretty well off County in Maryland. Um, and while my group, it started, what, uh, what, 2020, so a year old, um, we're, I, we're, folk, we're trying to get ourselves off the ground, but, um, it, it's like nothing, it, it, the one thing I know is that it doesn't come to mind of, hey, why don't we, well, even if it does, we, we acknowledge, and even I do too, is, we don't have the resources to the supplies to do the like the well give to the community compared to some of the other ones, for example. So, uh, yeah, that is. And you know, there's some people with um some of these organizations like mutual aid organizations. They have a lot more uh, resources. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like people that have money, like if I had a lot of money. I could do a lot in reference to mutual aid, a lot more. Hell, I probably wouldn't even have to crowdfund. Like, seriously, if I was like a millionaire, what the fuck would I need to crowdfund for? <laughs> yeah. I would just say, okay, let's go get all this stuff, you know? Um, and I think 
that that's a big part of it. But I also say to you guys, too, you know, if you can, I don't know how close you are to your neighbors. Check on your neighbors. And I, I say this because, you know, sometimes things may look like they're OK and they're not OK. So you, you never know. Sometimes people need help, but they don't tell you that they need help. And um, we just have to work on building community because I, I do feel like I felt like we had a stronger community when I was a kid, like when I was growing up. But as I've gotten older, I feel like because there's so much presence on social media and all these other applications, I feel like people don't really have strong communities anymore like they used to. I'll well, be honest. On top of like uh, social media and everything, um, there could also be some neighbor people in neighborhoods where they're so busy too. So mm-hmm. there's also that factor, and like also y- there's also some neighborhoods where there pe- where cars just zoom by, and people would have to play leapfrog. So that can also contribute to. It's much easier to stay inside um, kind of thing if there's not much you could do outside and not get hit by a car. And, yeah, that's what I've yeah. read about, too. So That's um, true. That's a good point. Well, it, well, sorry. Simway, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. Did you have anything else? Because I was going to go to the next caller. I thought I, I did, but... um. Um, not really. I don't think it's that urgent anymore, but, uh, thank, uh, for talking with me. Thank you so much for calling in. All right. It looks like, uh, Amelia is back. Amelia. Yeah. Hi. Sorry about the last time. It didn't, it, my phone messed up on me. So does it sound oh, better? Don't worry. Uh, yeah, I think. I, I think there's a little bit of echo. Really, still. Huh. I'm not sure what to do about that. but um, That's okay. You you go ahead, and I'll just mute while you talk. Okay. All right. Well, again, thank you for doing this and your show and everything and bringing up these topics and, and everything. And, um... I forgot to mention that I also uh, do try to grow my own food, but, you know, all of us can't or grow our own food or um, for whatever reason, either um, don't have the space or know-how or whatnot. So I also do try to, I have a subscription box with our local food bank where I get as much fruit and veggies as I can from local farmers um, as well. So that's, I would, like I, like I said before, I highly recommend people check out community supported agriculture. That's a form of mutual aid because you're locally helping your farmer <laughs> and you can hook up with other people to mutually aid with each other. I have found and, um, doing this and, uh, um, also I highly recommend to check out Netflix, um, kiss the ground documentary. It really talks about how, There's many techniques that we can do to sequester um, carbon and get us down to a safe level. And all these techniques mimic nature. Do not use fossil fuels and leave it so that we actually have healthier land, healthier water, and uh, really um, help what 
the mess that we're in right now. Um, the other bit that I wanted to see was um, when you guys, uh, previous people were talking about Native, uh, Native peoples fighting for climate change and whatnot. And there was this, and you've talked about direct action and uh, you showed Sri Lanka and I was, well, quite envious of what they're doing there, I have to say. But there was one thing that was done here in Hawaii that's hardly ever talked about except in our local news, but very briefly, because if people got more the notion of doing these kind of things, um, the oligarchy and the military industrial complex would get very nervous. Um, back in the, started in 1976, uh, it's, it's hardly ever talked about anymore. Uh, the island off of Maui, Kaholawe, was bombed for decades by the military for bombing practice. And I think they might have even used it in REMPAC too. Uh, so they, they would repeatedly bomb it over and over and over and over again. And then back in 1976, the members of Protect Kaholawe Ohana, which was a Native Hawaiian group, risked their lives by swimming over on their boats from Maui to Kaolave and stood on the island, which was covered in ordinances, unexploded bombs and everything, to get them to stop bombing the island. And they did this over many decades. Uh, they even sued the uh, military, and they won in 1993. I remember this because I was a teenager at the time, and I remember them actually winning after a long slog of a battle. So, and it was Walter Ritty, George Helm, and Kimo Mitchell were the founding members of the group. And so it can be done. We can fight against the military industrial complex and win. So I just wanted to give that story of hope, <laughs> I guess you could say. And, and it's very funny you talk about how uh, the, the Democrats are just as bad as Republicans. We definitely know that here in Hawaii, uh, we're more democratic than um, more heavily dim than California. And still it's just things are bad here for sure. I mean, our cost of living is out of the roof right now. Housing is, you know, I'm lucky to even have a house. I mean, it's amazeballs that I have, have a house. Most people don't, you can't afford one. Um, and wow. homeless is just out of control. There's homeless everywhere. There's, there's, um, I, I'm very fortunate to live on one of the neighbor islands where it's, I can actually buy a house. If I lived on Oahu, forget it. I would never be able to afford a house there. Maybe a studio if I was lucky. And I make around 60 grand a year. I'd maybe be lucky to get a studio there. So, and the only reason why I was able to even afford a house is because my, I inherited some money from my grandparents. So if it wasn't for my grandfather, no, I wouldn't be able to afford a house. Wow. wow. Thank you so much thank for that, so Amelia. Yeah. So thank you for all you do. I really want to just, you know, say a big mahalo and, and, uh, aloha from Hawaii. And, and, um, if you ever want any info from us, just, you know, mess. I don't know how you message me, but, I'll gladly provide info <laughs> or anybody else that has, knows the info that I don't know. 
Thanks so much. Thanks so much for calling in. All right. You take care. You too. All right. Karthik. Karthik, you are the next caller. Hey, Savvy. What's up? Uh, So quick thing. Uh, You said you wanted to get in contact with uh, uh, Whitney Webb. Uh, I think uh, Jimmy Dort has her information, has her contact at least. Okay. I can reach out. Um, I think I would have to, I have to double check this, but I think with her, I would have to do that interview on Rockfin or Rumble because I think Whitney, I think Whitney has been removed from YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so I had a question, I guess. So do you think that, uh, America is really capable of change? Cause I'm not, I don't think so. I think we're just going to keep decaying and turn into bring back, uh, feudalism. I mean, what are your thoughts? Oh man, I really do think it's it's becoming it's going to become well it's already on that way but it's going to become the haves and have nots. The middle class continues to shrink, right? Well, I, but, I think the middle class is almost gone. If it's not oh gone yeah. Already. yeah, oh yeah, and I think you can't just look at just income in reference to middle class because I think that you also have to look at the cost of living where you are. So when we talked about the states, that report that just came out recently from the National uh, Housing Coalition, that's important for people to really understand because you could be making $150,000 a year, but depending on where you live, you can still not be like $150,000 a year in San Francisco. Is that even middle class? Probably not. That's so it's like, like working class at best. Right. So that's a big a big part of it. But I think as much as we hear politicians say we need to grow the middle class or they say the middle class has decreased, notice you don't hear them frame it in this way, which is the working class and the poor have increased. Well, and that's I, what's happening. Of, sorry. Yeah. Outside of Bernie Sanders, I've actually never even heard of a politician talk about poor people or poverty. Um, nope. And I and I don't really even hear anybody say middle class anymore. Like I I know Obama used to talk about that nonstop, but it didn't really mean anything. Um. But yeah. But I I don't like I never hear news or politicians talk about class, and that's because you know they all benefit off of uh, uh, inequality. Exactly. And the focus now is to keep us divided among other issues. Um, I do. I remember like you're right. Like Obama talked about middle class um, sometimes. I think Bill Clinton talked about it some, too, maybe. I I was younger then, but um, no, we just we don't really hear much of it anymore because that's not their focus now. Like it's just Um, they're just they're keeping us focused and divided on like the culture war issues so that we're not focused on the class. uh, Divides along uh, race and identity yep. and like culture war stuff, like like bathrooms or whatever. Um, so speaking about uh, uh, Bill Clinton, um, I I don't know how young or old you are, but do you remember uh, uh, some or like uh, anything about his election, like when he was campaigning or whatever his presidency? Um. I mean, I, here's, I remember this part. Again, I was younger, but I remember people blaming Ross Perot for running because they said that he's the reason why uh, 
uh, Bush senior loss and did not win re-election and Bill Clinton oh, okay. was able to win. I remember that. Okay, because uh, the reason why I'm asking is because I know some people say like, oh, Bill Clinton was charismatic because he could like, he could make you feel like like he understood your pain or whatever. And like, because I've seen like some of his tapes from like when he was running and like his speeches or whatever. And to me, it just comes off as so fake from what we know now, at least. And I'm just wondering like, how did people uh fall for that i guess what i'm asking do you know what i how they may have Mm -hmm. been uh like uh fell for his lies well bill clinton was very um i know you said charismatic but bill clinton did something that i don't see a lot of politicians do today bill clinton actually went into like those working class and poor neighborhoods he campaigned heavily in the Rust Belt, which is something that Hillary Clinton did not do. And Bill Clinton was really smart about it because he didn't just go there and say, here's why you should vote for me. He would go into like the local diners and the coffee shops and go into people's homes and sit down with them at the kitchen table, like literally sit at the kitchen table and talk to them and listen to their concerns about the needs and the wants. That's That was the thing about him because he came from you know, working class, like actually he came from a poor family, which became working class at one point. Yeah, but I remember. He, he did understand that type of pain. Hillary Clinton did not. She did not come from poverty. I don't care what she tells you. She did not. Oh yeah. And, I, I know like she came from like Chicago and went to like law, like went to like a good schools or had like wealthy parents or something. Yeah. She went to, she went to uh, Wellesley and, and like that's here in Massachusetts, all girls school. Like, it's expensive as fuck. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but, like, it's expensive. So um, I think what 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 the difference was with him is, like, I think that's the last time I saw a politician do that. Oh, like, okay. he really did go into people's homes and have those conversations with them. I and see. then also, um, I guess the other thing I would say about him, too, he never seemed to have this air, at least when he was running, he never had this air about himself that gave people the impression that he felt like he was too good to do something. Oh, okay. He was the exact opposite of Hillary Clinton and uh-huh. Bill Clinton raised the minimum wage. So I think, yeah, this, like this, the $5 or something. Yep. So, I mean, he still, was he a great, like, great president? president? No. Like I wouldn't say that he was great. Um, he had issues with unionizing too. Like he was another one that wasn't really, he wasn't really big on unions. Uh, so that was another thing. Yeah. He had, he had a very with white like, collar background. Like right, he had the, right. He had the issue also with gays in the military. He didn't, it was that whole don't ask, no tell, uh, don't tell policy. So that was like mm-hmm. crazy too. But like, um, but Bill Clinton, I think also succeeded because he came about, in a time when there was no social media and he was the last president in my lifetime to do that. Cause even when Obama ran in 08, we have Facebook and I think MySpace too, actually. Yeah. Really, I came a little bit later. 27. Yeah, so yeah. I don't really remember MySpace. Um, uh, so, Oh, one last thing I wanted to say. So I, I know some other uh, people on uh, a revolutionary blackout, are against gun control, and I understand the reasons for that. I just want to know uh, uh, what's your stance on uh, various uh, gun control uh, measures? 
Um, gun control measures in reference to what? Like, I, I personally like. I'm not. I don't like guns. Like me personally, but do I believe that other people should not have a gun? No, I 100% support the Second Amendment. Uh, it's just not for me. <laughs> like I just, oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't own a gun. Um, so in reference to gun control. I think what people have been talking about recently is in reference to weapons like AR-15s, right? Like the, what are they called? Like the sounding like assault know. weapons or... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think when it comes to those, you know, could they put some type of restrictions there? Yeah, they possibly could. Is that going to stop people? from doing what they want to do if if they want to go and attack people nah it's it goes farther than that you know you can go to some of these uh places that don't even have those weapons and people will still find ways to do what they need to do i think what we need to do is we need to look at the healthcare system um i think in reference to mental health that's a big one people need to look at that but also like i hate to say it but i've been saying this for a while but we are living in late stage capitalism and people have lost yeah, their 100%. shit. Yeah, it's a decaying society like what I said earlier. Yep. Everything's falling <laughs> people people are losing it. People are falling apart. They're just like this is crazy. Yeah, I just feel like we're like uh trained to hate each other now. And like obviously like I think there's a lot of some good things about social media. Like I'd say Colin is an example of social media, but I just hate how like it's made us like hate all our neighbors and like both literally and, and metaphorically and stuff. Um, but it just made us like hate people. It's like a very like anti populist attitude. I think what social media has brought us. Um, and yeah, and that's why I don't have like a Facebook or Instagram. Cause like, I just feel like it, you know, pushes uh, depression and all, all that stuff as well. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm very worried, and I'm also scared about yeah. uh, n- nuclear war as well. You know, um, with expanding NATO. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think exactly. I think social media has been a blessing and a curse, right? The yeah. blessing in the fact that it's it's made it um, it's made me basically get back in touch with people that I haven't seen since like high school, right? Because I've moved around a lot. So it's helped in reference to things like that, getting you back in touch with people. It's also helped somewhat politically because now you're able to see things that you probably may not have known about if it wasn't for social media, right? Like a lot of the times the news is reported on social media before it's reported on mainstream news. So there's things like that, but it's also a curse in the sense that if you are on social media all the time, and I recommend that people take breaks from this stuff, if you're on social media all the time, yes, it can make some people depressed. I mean, let's be real. The only time I'm on Facebook now is to mainly post like my show, like seriously, like to just share that, Hey, this is a new stream for me. And, and yeah, that's you have a great it. show. Yeah. And, and then I, I thank you. And then I, I hop off and I hop off because Facebook to me can be very fake. I, I feel like, there's all these pictures of everybody having this great life with their family. Uh, 
that's not what they're like 24 seven. I mean, nobody's smiling and is that happy every damn day. And, but that's what you see. You see that so-and-so has a perfect relationship. So-and-so has uh perfect kids. So-and-so has the perfect house. People don't post the bad shit. So I think that's the curse part of it. And then also when it comes to politics, it can also be a curse with social media because at the same time, you can have people post things that are political that may not even be true. And people won't look into it because they don't feel like it. They'll just believe it. They'll just believe what they read on Twitter. They'll believe what they read on Facebook. So yeah, people shouldn't believe everything they read on the internet, which is like what my grandfather tell me. And like, and now he's like totally buys into everything what he reads, but that's something else. 100%. I agree. So yeah, I do highly recommend those of you, you know, on Twitter and Facebook and on Twitter too, but I've told people this a lot of times. Most of the time I post and then I hop off. I'm not even going to lie. I might skim through like once or twice a day and that's it. But I can't be on Twitter all day. It's it's a lot going on on there. It can be kind of toxic sometimes, you know. So, yeah. yeah. yeah but that's why so I tell addicting. people if you want to try to reach me, it's better to email me than to DM me. Because my DMs are a mess. I don't know half the people in there. So it's okay. just some people just DM yeah. just to to troll. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me. I'll let uh, Brady take it from here. Thanks so much, and uh, Brady, you are the final caller. So take it away. Just have to unmute. Hello. Sorry, I have to take a while to come up. Hey, I accidentally hung up earlier. I just wanted to come back and ask. So you're talking about interviewing Whitney Webb on Rockfin, huh? That would be where it would happen. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to follow that. And I just wanted to reiterate that if we could get access to psychedelics to people, that would solve a lot of the mental issues that we're having right now. It literally increases consciousness, which leads to things like caring about the environment and another aspect of our psychology, our kind of mass psychotic break we're going through right now is the Cambridge Analytica scandal and th- that whole thing now leading to Emmer data as well. I think I, I listed for sale for you a couple of times. You might remember me floating his name your way, but he'll be on the list later on for sure. This all ties back to Cambridge Analytica quite a bit and how they're taking our information off Facebook and Twitter making psychological profiles of everyone and then doing things like making targeted ads towards black people to discourage them from voting. That's just one example of what they're doing. This goes into every aspect of our social lives, like the trans movement, um, uh, housing crisis, uh, the war in Ukraine, everything. So, um, yeah, I would tie it back to let's get psychedelics legalized and then let's investigate Jeffrey Epstein, his network and the Cambridge Analytica network. And we'll have we'll be on top of this stuff in no time. And thank you again for being such a consistent source for solutions. Thank you so much for calling in, Brady. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Speaking of Jeffrey Epstein, I did see today that Whitney Webb has a book coming out that you can pre-order and it's about Jeffrey Epstein. So if you can jump on that definitely do that but um thank you guys so much for uh tuning in and hanging out with me tonight please have a good weekend you guys and remember we can only really solve this with each other because other people are just not (laughs) 
rely on politicians to make these changes for us. But thank you so much, guys. Have a good night. And I'm out.